is the ninth day of February in 2024, and we welcome you to our Chapter 49 podcast. My name is Larry Lannan. I'm a volunteer, and I am a retiree. I help out uh, Chapter 49 with some communications issues, including uh, this podcast as one of my major uh, endeavors. We thank you for spending some time with us today. We uh, appreciate the fact that you've chosen to join us. If you uh, feel this is a podcast that gives you something of value, feel free to let other people know, share the link, uh, do whatever you think you might want to do to let other people know about it. But uh, we appreciate the fact that you are with us. Chapter 49 represents most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. And the Chapter 49 president is Duncan Giles. Welcome back, Duncan. Thanks, Larry. It's always good to be here. So we are uh, endeavoring to uh, do this podcast just a couple of days before the Super Bowl. Now, we know that some people listen or watch all kinds of different days and times. So some people may watch or listen before the Super Bowl. Some may be after. So you may already know who won or how the game went. But I, what I find interesting is that you go back to 1967, the very first Super Bowl, it didn't even sell out. The players and coaches didn't even want to play the game because uh, the NFL and AFL had just combined and they were barely one entity at that point they uh, you, you know they really hadn't combined the way they did it uh, later on and now it has morphed into this 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 american thing where it has the biggest tv audience of the year every year it it's really amazing and the other thing about it duncan is that they're playing the game in las vegas now who would have ever thought number one there would be a franchise nfl franchise in las vegas and number two i remember on the NFL Today years ago, they actually did hire somebody to to uh, to be on the show called Jimmy the Greek. Now, Jimmy was known as an odds maker, but they wouldn't let him give point spreads. So when he would predict how a game would go, he couldn't say it's a three-point favorite. He'd say this team would win 20 to 17. They accepted that, but they wouldn't allow him to, to use the word point spread. Now the NFL is... You know, in bed with all the gambling companies, Las Vegas, they're making money off gambling. Things have really changed, haven't they, Duncan? They they most certainly have. Ten years or so ago, the city of Las Vegas wanted to put on a tourism commercial during the Super Bowl. And the NFL told the network, whoever, whichever network was broadcasting that year, they would not allow that. You know, and now fast forward 10, 12 years and like you said, not only are we playing it in Las Vegas, where there's a team in Las Vegas, but you know they're, you know, they have sponsors that are involved, heavily involved in uh, betting issues. So yeah, it's changed quite a lot over the years. So um, we'll just going to dovetail from that because we're really what caused that was a Supreme Court decision, which allowed states to, uh, just about every state that wants to, including Indiana, to have sports legal sports betting. You know, you and I remember sports betting was something you did, you know, some in, in certain establishments around the city. And, you know, you just knew who to talk to to, to place a, a, a wager on a game. Well, now you go and do it legally, which uh, is, is just an amazing. And it was the Supreme Court decision that laid that out. And that was when the, the sports league say, OK, we give up. We're, we're just going to make money off it, too. So Supreme Court we're going to move from that Supreme Court decision to another one as we get into our subjects for today. Because, 
you know, government shutdowns have been a very big issue with every federal employee. NTEU really has gone to the mat legally to try to get help for federal employees that are impacted by government shutdowns. A 35-day shutdown we had during the Trump administration put a lot of federal employees in, in, uh, in financial trouble. Well, NTEU did petition the Supreme Court on a very important case dealing with a government shutdown. So I'm going to let you know the, the I'm going to let you allow you to talk to our audience about what happened in this case and how NTEU really did go to the mat legally to try to represent people working for the federal government. Yeah, this is one that dealt with the 2018 into 2019 35-day shutdown which was devastating plain, pure, and simple for so many of our members here in Indiana, across the country, and federal workers, period. And what uh, NTU had done is said, you know, we understand that they're getting the back wages, but that didn't help them during the time period when it was going on. You can't, you know, it was tough to tell your mortgage company or the bank that held your note on your car or buying groceries, hey, we're going to get to you at the end of this. So NTU filed a suit and basically said, we're seeking compensatory damages um, for this, for the folks who were directly impacted and had to work and wait for a paycheck. And, you know, they had a lower court victory that, of course, the government appealed. And the appellate court upheld, said, nope, they should not receive any damages. And so this has gone through the court proceedings until... Uh, NTU took it to the Supreme Court, uh, all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, no, we're not dealing with this. They are not getting any compensatory damages. So, uh, no, we didn't win this, but it is a great example to show that NTU is in there swinging at all times for the federal employees that we represent. Yeah, when you're dealing with legal issues, you, you, you win some, you lose some. And this was just a great example of how the NTEU legal staff looked at every possible option, even going petitioning the United States Supreme Court to hear the case. Supreme Court takes only a small percentage of the cases presented to them. So uh, we didn't have a a really great chance, but you you never know until you try. Uh, the, The way it works in the Supreme Court, it takes four justices to want to hear a case, and there weren't four justices willing Uh, to hear this case. So once again, NTEU did everything possible. We still think that uh, uh, federal employees who are impacted by government shutdowns should be allowed some kind of damages. We've not been able to get that done through the court system. We have, though, been able to do that one thing, Duncan, and I want to remind people of this. When shutdowns got to be a big thing in the 1990s, sorry, the 80s, but in the 1990s, when we started having longer shutdowns, People forget that when we would have a shutdown, there was no guarantee that federal employees would be paid during the shutdown period. And NTEU did uh, get, uh, was instrumental in getting a, 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 a law passed where now if there are shutdowns, at least federal employees are guaranteed to be paid once the shutdown's over. It's not the best solution, but at least we have that guarantee in the law. Yeah, and it was always a nail-biter before that law was passed. You were pretty sure that you were going to get paid 
for any days that were missed through no fault of your own through a shutdown, but there wasn't any guarantee of that. And you had to wait for Congress to vote on. And that, you know, there were a couple of them that were uh, a little bit nail biters. But once we, you know, had this situation, they said, okay, we're going to just make it a law that federal government employees will not be harmed overall. They're still going to be harmed in the short run, but not overall. We'll make sure that they are made whole for any work they missed during a government shutdown when Congress is not able to uh, come up with a budget or continuing resolution. So, yeah, that's something that NTU pushed very, very hard for, worked with our folks on Capitol Hill, and were able to get that passed. And I'm very grateful for that. So, again, NTU will go to the mat legally every time uh, there's an issue dealing with uh, the people who are members of this union and uh, will continue to do so. Speaking of government shutdowns, here we go again. We have another continuing resolution. It's two-tiered. The IRS deadline will be March the 8th, which is one, a little less than a month from now. So we may get a, a clue when the first deadline hits as to whether or not uh, the Congress is serious about getting a, a budget for the fiscal year done. We're several months into the fiscal year already. Don't have a budget, which means that's still hamstrings agencies like IRS and many others, uh, IRS going into a tax season where, you know, overtime is needed for toll-free and other operations that are needed, and it may be very difficult for uh, the service to be able to provide that with the uncertain funding in, in the on the horizon. So, Duncan, is there any hope? I mean, Congress does seem to be... Uh, showing more, less signs of dysfunction as far as getting things done and other issues. So how does this dysfunction on other issues foresee or foreshadow what might happen in the budget talks that are still going on? Uh, it doesn't leave you with a great deal of hope. I mean, when there, when you see some of the things that have happened in Congress over the last week, that should have at least been a passed vote, not necessarily for good reasons, but a passed vote, and surprise, surprise, they couldn't get that done. Um, it really makes you wonder where something where so many moving parts, like a budget, you know, and they've all said that they want to do regular appropriations. They want to do it through 12 appropriations bill instead of what's called an omnibus, where they just pile everything together, have a top line figure and have got it all in this one bill. They don't want to do it that way. Well, unfortunately, it's not moving through the regular appropriations. Shocker. And with Congress getting ready to uh, the House and the Senate at a little bit different times, but they're both getting ready to take two-week recesses for the President's Day holiday. Now, I don't know, maybe it's me. I always thought President's Day was one day, unless you're a mattress sale, which is extended. But aside from that, I always thought it was one day, and yet they're taking a, a two-week recess to go back and be in their districts and things of that nature. Um, but that leaves precious little time for them to come to an agreement on funding. And with as fractious as the Congress has been lately, you know, the last several decades, um, I... I I don't know what's going to happen. We've been told before that there's not going to be any more continuing resolutions coming out of the House. 
The other thing that plays into this is I believe it's uh, coming up in April. If there's not a budget bill passed by that, there are going to be automatic spending cuts for every single government agency, including uh, defense. And nobody wants to see that. So they're, um, you know, they're trying to work with that deadline as well. So there are a lot of things going on that have to happen here uh, to get this taken care of. And I just, I hope for the best and plan for the worst, but I'm, I'm just not sure that Congress is going to be able to get it done on time. And I want to say this not in a partisan way at all, but it seems that we have a rookie uh, Speaker of the House, and he put a, a floor vote on, on the floor, and it didn't pass by like, what, two or three, four votes, something like that. And the one party in majority has a very small majority, so you have to be very careful about counting votes. You know, past speakers at least were able to count the votes and know whether they can pass it or not. So when you put something on the floor and you want it passed and it doesn't pass, that make, sort of doesn't show that the leadership is, is uh, very good at just doing the basic counting of votes. So I'm worried that even if an agreement is reached and we're not there yet on budgets, that it can even be implemented. So there's a lot of moving parts in this. I'm a little concerned, but I think that uh, gun to the head of Congress where everything would be cut pell-mell if uh, nothing happens, and I think you're right, it's sometime in April, uh, will scare those people in Congress and everybody's uh, favorite projects would, would be cut that's the one thing that will get Congress moving. So I'm hopeful on that front. But uh, your point is well taken. We've talked about this on previous podcasts. So we will continue to watch this. There's only one thing that may be positive in all this, Duncan. Even though the the senators and members of Congress are going to take a two-week recess, their staff will continue to work. Maybe, just maybe, the staff members can work up some options where they can have something to work with when they get back. Just a possibility, piece of hope, you never know. Yeah, and that is, that. like you said, that is the ray of hope. Unfortunately, it seems like there's a lot of other things in front of the budget that they're trying to work on um, before they may even get to the budget. And I'm scared to death that by the time those get finished and fixed, there's not going to be any time for the budget. But yeah, you're absolutely right. While the uh, folks in Congress take the time off, the staffers are going to be behind, hopefully working on this and everything else to try and get things moving through the, through the House and the Senate. Let's move on to something else, because we've talked occasionally about contract provisions. And Don, Duncan, you've been very involved in the national agreement and other side uh, agreements that have been reached uh, with between NTU and IRS that continue to, to govern the workplace uh, at the Internal Revenue Service. And I think one of the most important gains, and this happened way back when I was a union official, was the right for an employee to do a self-assessment. And I don't know that every employee takes advantage of this. There's some very strong contract language in it, but there are some time periods you need to, to understand, and there are some tricks of the trade you need to know. So if you're looking to improve your uh, annual appraisal, self-assessment is a great way to do that. Your manager doesn't always know everything that you do. You do know that. So uh, give us a primer, a kind of a redo, if you will, just 
how the self-assessment uh, section of the contract works and how it can s- certainly uh, positively impact an employee who uses that. Yeah, that's one of those things that, as you said, it's been in the contract quite a while. Uh, it's a great tool. You get time on the clock to do a self-assessment, and you do that during your last month of your rating period. If you need to figure out when your rating period ends, you can take a look to see when your previous rating period ends or go in to the contract and take a look at the index, and it's based on the last digit of your Social Security number. But during that last month of your rating period, not when it's over, but during that last month, you want to contact your manager and say, hey, I'd like time to do a self-assessment. And there are self-assessment tools out there that can help you do this. Because as you said, Larry, nobody knows you know, the work that you do more than you do. Nobody knows the good things you're doing more than you do. Your manager will have a good idea or should have a good idea of the work that you're doing. Sometimes I'm astounded that managers that come up with appraisals that don't seem to realize what employee they're having, but that's another story. Um, but the vast majority of managers will try and do a good job with the documentation that they have. But there may be other things that they don't realize that you're doing during the year, and only you can tell them, and the self-assessment is a great way to do this. The other part of this is, is when they are doing your appraisal, they have to take that self-assessment into consideration. Now, if you're saying, I'm wonderful, I should get all fives, and your documentation doesn't show that, documentation shows that you failed it, weren't consistent in many things or possibly even failed, that's going to be a tough road to hoe. But if you've gotten good, consistent ratings in something, you know, every time that they do an EQ or something equivalent to that, that, you know, it shows that you did something, that's consistent. And you want to make sure that that's noticed by your manager and the self-assessment is the best tool to be able to do that, to help yourself. I do know that when I was a manager, and I always loved it when I received a self-assessment because I always read them carefully, and I always uh, took that into consideration with any appraisal I did for an employee. And I will say I had some very good managers that when I did my self-assessment, I could even see in the narrative that they would quote from my self-assessment and that they did take that into consideration when uh, doing my appraisal. So managers are required to do that. And if you do a self-assessment, you do document, as you said, uh, items that maybe are not in, have not been documented by your your manager in in that appraisal file. Uh, Talk to your local chapter in Indiana, talk to Duncan or any of his uh, stewards or officials and wherever you may be at IRS, Talk to your local chapter if you don't think your self-assessment was uh, was considered at all because that is a requirement in the contract. And uh, we can file a grievance saying, hey, manager, you are supposed to consider this. You didn't take it into consideration at all. But you do have to do the self-assessment the correct way. So if you're an employee, Duncan, and you're saying, you know, I, I want to do a self-assessment, how do I know the time frame how do I know how to write one? I'm new at this. I work in toll-free. It's hard to get the time off to do it. Some pointers for people who may need to, to know some details. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter what division you're in. Uh, management is required to give you time on the clock during your last month 
of the rating period. Now, they may split it up a little bit. Okay, an hour here, an hour here, and an hour here just because of uh, workload demands, but they still have to give you time to do it. As to um, how to do it, if you just put in the on the IRS uh, homepage, in the search box, you just put in self-assessment tutorial, there's going to be a couple of them that are going to come up, and a couple of them are very good at explaining exactly how you should do it, what format, and doesn't matter what division you're in, the basic premise is going to be the same for all of them. You take a look, hopefully you have your documentation you received during the year um, from your EQs or any other um, any other documentation your management's given you on your uh, work and take a look at those and then base your self-assessment off of those. And these uh, these tutorials will also tell you how best to take a look at your documentation and put it into your self-assessment. So the information's all out there for you. And, you know, if you have a manager saying, well, you know, it's really tough right now. I understand when your appraisals do, but we're not going to give you time to uh, time to do a self-assessment. That's when you need to reach out to chapter stewards or officials and, uh, you know, let, let us know, you know, in Indiana or across the country, let your chapter know so they can contact that manager and say, okay, I'm not sure what you're thinking, but yeah, I understand you might have a big workload, but you don't have a choice. You need to give them the time to do this self-assessment. And there have been times when uh, someone is kind of lost, they want to do it, they're not sure. I have actually taken union time to just get them. So I can't write it for you, you know, as a union official. I can't write your self-assessment. But I can certainly point people in the right direction, and I can give them pointers on how to get started. So any chapter official would be happy to do that. That is a representational kind of uh, activity, correct? Yeah. And like I said, basically what we'd be doing is pointing you towards those tutorials because yeah, 10, 10, 12 years ago, there wasn't much information out there on it. And now there is plenty of it out there on the IR web to be able to explain what you need to do and how to get it started and go forward. With yeah. It. And the, the old IR web has lots of, uh, uh lots <laughs> of tools there. Just learn how, how to use that. Let's move on to another issue. Let's talk about retirement. One thing that uh, you always hear when retirement comes up uh, is, okay, you want to make sure you have your high three, which is your high three years of earnings that will you'll be basing your retirement on those high three years of earnings. But that's a little bit of a misnomer, Duncan. I know you want to kind of dig down deep into some details. It's really not your high three. It's, it's something else entirely. Talk about what you mean. Yeah, and that's one of those things where, you know, now having joined the uh, the 10% club, so to speak, uh, when I'm ready to retire, which is not yet, um, you you know, you hear people say, well, you it's based on your high three salaries. So people are saying, okay, well, I just got this big bump in January, so now my salary's higher and I can include that. Not exactly. And where you talk about the misnomer is, it's not really a high three. It's your high 36 months, your high consecutive 36 months. So, you know, if somebody said, well, I'm going to retire in June of this year, and these have been my highest three years of salary. And so they might say, well, that would be my 24, my 23, and my 22 salaries. No. And the reason for that is it's not high three, it's high 36. 
So it'd be half of your 24, your 23 salary, your 22 salary, and half of your 21 salary, that other six months to make up the 36 months. So you want to make sure that when you're looking at retiring, you're factoring that in to, to get an accurate picture. Because I was, I was talking to people, and I have a lot of people talk to me about how to do retirement calculations and things of that nature. And, you know, this is something that a lot of people miss that I want to make sure that it's clearly understood. It's your high 36 consecutive months. For most people, it's the end of their career. Now, they may have been um, a manager and gone back to a downgrade to a lesser grade as a bargaining unit employee, and the management pay was their high threes, so you have to take a look at that. But it's your high 36 consecutive months to get your high three figure, and I just want to make sure that that's clear for everyone. I think that is well known, and... uh... You're right. Most people, it's the last 36 months of, of your, your career. But there are people who go to management and say, well, it's not really for me. I need to step down. So your high 36 might have been earlier in your career. Either way, it's the highest amount that will uh, you'll be basing your retirement on. There's not that many people left with CSRS that I'm under. Most people are under FERS now. So... Um, that's be be familiar with it. They used to, uh, Duncan. I know that, and this may not be around anymore. Let me just ask you about this. At one time, when I was working for IRS eons ago, 12, 13 years ago, there was an IR website where you could sort of get a um, uh, an estimate of what your retirement would be. Is that still around? Uh, that the GRB platform is what's used now for retirement issues, and that will give you a decent idea. Um, it may not be exact, it, and it also used to be where you could contact, um, you know, the specialists that work on retirement and say, hey, I'd like to get an estimate. They give very few estimates now, not because they want to be mean, not because they're evil. It's just because they don't have the, uh, the manpower to do it. They're too busy concentrating on actual uh, retirement paperwork to even give estimates. You know, I had one where um, they shot me something saying, well, it looks like you had uh, temporary work at the start of your career. No, I was not temporary. I was seasonal. And that makes a huge difference. It does. Yeah. In things uh, for figuring out your, uh, you know, how much your retirement's going to be. So these are all things that you need to think about and be preparing for before you put in your paperwork to retire. So just a general awareness for folks. Yeah, I started off as a temp uh, eons ago when I started with the federal government before I got full-time employment, and that is a whole different set of circumstances. And and seasonal is yet another set of circumstances. So there is a big difference there. And if the, the record's not correct, you do want to make sure that gets corrected. Speaking of retirement again, and, and speaking of uh, the workload you talked about, there always seems to be a flood of retirements at the end of the calendar year, and 2023 was no exception. We talked a lot at the end of last year about how OPM is catching up and starting to, to process retirements more timely. Well, guess what? That influx of retirements came in at the end of 2023, and the latest data that we have shows that Office of Personnel Management, OPM, or the HR Department for the whole federal government, which processes retirement applications, is they now have uh, 
retirement backlogs up 46%. So if you retired at the end of last year and you're listening to this podcast or thinking of retiring soon, be aware it may take a little longer, well, maybe a lot longer because of that end of the year influx, which, you know, they know it's coming, but they still only have so many people to do this work. Yeah, it and like you said, it happens almost every year. OPM has been gearing up and hiring more employees, but they just get hit with this tsunami because December 31st is, uh, especially for FERS employees, of which I think it's like 94% of federal employees are now uh, FERS employees as opposed to, to civil service CSRS, um, that, you know, they're just, they're, they know it's coming. It's sort of like tax season uh, for folks who are in the uh, tax or in the phones. You know, all the employees know it's coming, but sometimes it seems that upper-level managers get surprised by this. Oh, wait, it's filing season. And we're, getting, we're getting hit with a bunch of people. Yes, that happens every year. Um, so, you know, OPM, to their credit, is trying, but it's going to be a catch-up eventually we'll get to a more electronic and that's part of the problem too. It's a lot of these are still paper files that we're dealing with. The sooner we can get to um, do all electronic. And I think that's where IRS is trying to do with their submissions with this GRB platform is to try and eliminate some of those mistakes that happen. And that's what usually causes, uh, you know, it's not just manpower, but the causes the lengthy delays. If there's any sort of, errors, or if you've worked for multi-different agencies, had a break in service, things of that nature, these are all things that can increase the time it takes to do that, as well as the actual number of retirements being put in. I have one last uh, comment I would like to make, and Duncan, you're welcome to chime in on this as well. Duncan often sends out links to those who ask in an email uh, when we have our uh, both our video and audio versions of our podcast, once it's available, uh, he lets people know. There have been some instances where people have not been able to access uh, our, our podcast. Well, here's the problem. If you're using the IRS internet system, the IRS has the right to block it if they choose to do so. And I don't know what the code of conduct is anymore, if we're even supposed to listen to... Uh, Uh, you know, video and streaming audio, but that's what you're doing if you're using the IRS system. You can watch our podcast on YouTube or listen to it on on SoundCloud or various other platforms. This podcast is not just on SoundCloud, which is where I I house them originally, so it's where it's on originally, but I'm on lots of other podcast platforms like iTunes and SoundCloud and Spotify and a whole long list of them, but it takes a little time for that uh, RSS feed to get on there, so it usually take several hours before uh, it's on all the different platforms. But we would recommend, Duncan, that you not use the IRS internet system to watch or listen to our podcast. Just take that uh, link and and, and use your your, uh, cell phone or your internet connection at home or whatever uh, when you're not working uh, to listen or uh, watch the podcast. Would that be your uh, advice as well? Yeah, it was a little bit surprising uh, last week when uh, started getting a couple of messages back saying, hey, you know, we can't get to the podcast. Um, and I went and looked myself, and yes, they, IRS and their infinite wisdom has decided that SoundCloud, for whatever reason, is one of those banned sites. So, and it may be that 
um, that's just taking up too much bandwidth or whatever the problem is. So what I suggested to folks, and I think it's just a good idea on a regular basis, is if you're interested in watching and listening to this podcast, which if you're still here by now, you are, and we appreciate it, um, transfer it over to your personal device, as Larry said. You watch it on your phone, on a tablet, on a laptop, something of that nature, and that way you don't have to worry about doing it on government time or with their restrictions on what they're allowing. Okay, Duncan, time for your final comment. Uh, my final comment is, is um, with all the money that my team has spent this year, I know the Super Bowl is coming up, but uh, I'm ready for the pitchers and catchers to, uh, to report. And uh, I'm looking forward to either uh, a, several World Series appearances or we made some really bad investments. Yeah, you know, Duncan, that's really <laughs> interesting because we don't talk about our final comments most of the time. I've got the final comment was exactly that about spring training coming up. <laughs> Super Bowls, every time the Super Bowl comes up, it's just a few days after that. Now, my Reds, uh, the pitchers and catchers report February 14th, just little, literally days after the Super Bowl's complete. And uh, your Dodgers, I think, have the first uh, exhibition game of uh, of, of the, uh, the spring series. Uh, I think they're playing the Padres on February 22nd, so they're getting an early start. I think the, the don't the Dodgers start the season in South Korea this year? Yes, they do. I thought so. So, so. it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and they've got uh, they've they spent just a dime or two on players, have they not? <laughs> the best team money can buy. So we'll see how that used to be the Yankees. Now it's the Dodgers that have uh, <laughs> spending the coin on the players. Well, we'll see. I mean, you know, let's, let's just hope both our teams are favored. You know, the Reds are definitely not spending lots of dime on players, some, but not nearly what the Dodgers are. So let's just hope our teams have a yeah, good competitive and, and season. Need- we need to let our viewers and listeners know that we're no Johnny come lately to our team. Oh yeah. You know, you've been a Reds fan forever. I've been a Dodgers fan since I was about uh, six years old, since my best friend was a San Francisco Giants fan. And so I became a Dodgers fan. <laughs> so this is not anything that, you know, has been a recent occurrence. You've been listening to and watching the chapter 49 podcast. You just heard Duncan Giles, our chapter president. And we talk about a lot of things on this podcast, mostly federal employee issues. But, you know, we just can't help ourselves. We do talk about sports every now and then. So we just talked about the Super Bowl and baseball all at one time. But we hope you uh, enjoy the podcast. Again, if you like it, let people know, and we'll, we would appreciate you spreading the word. So we thank you very much for spending time with us on this podcast. And please be safe and be kind.